Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. I'm joined with Bertie. Hey, how's it going? And Hep. Yep. Oh, and good. and Forty. Hello there. In these uh, unprecedented times, throwing out an unprecedented order to start off the, the show. <laughs> Bertie's always first. <laughs> um, oh yeah. All right, well, let's get to a game review of the Broncos v. Eels round three match. Eels 34-6 victors over the Broncos up at Suncorp, uh, restarting the league um, with a bang. Uh, try scorers, Birdie, you were on this one. I hope you uh, got Dad uh, to put a couple of dollars yeah, on Marata. Yeah, that money on FTS. Um, Wolves, yeah, just oh, I haven't bet for a while. I told a few of my mates, but uh, let's be honest, I, I wasn't being serious. I was just, you know, <laughs> my boy, but I, because I, I, yeah. I didn't tell. I didn't tell my dad. So, oh well. Or right. another week, next week. Well, first try scorer Marada Niakore, followed by one try from Brody Croft. We'll get into that, and then the other try scorers: Mika Sebo, Clint Gutherson, Michael Jennings, Sean Lane, and Wanga Blake, who was fanging for one and finally got there. Mitch Moses, five from six off the boot, uh, no longer at a hundred percent success rate um, from the boot for the season. Um, now, we've been given a um, site by some uh, listener of the show who's compiling uh, some stats. Uh, well, it's a stat compiling website. It's called the big don't argue all one word.com. Um, and essentially, it pulls the data from the NRL.com's website and compiles it in a list of every single player who plays throughout the season and has, you know, all the stats you'd want tackles, run meters, fantasy points, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if you want to go um, compare some players over the course of the season, um, go and check out the big don't argue.com. Um, but let's get into some stats from the game, which were possession and completions. Possession, 64% to the Eels to Brisbane's 36%. Time in possession, 36 minutes to the Broncos, 20 minutes and 20 seconds. Completion rate was rather low at 73% v 63%. And then if you look at the run metres, we outgained them by about 1,000 metres, an extra 300 metres post-contact, seven line breaks to two, 38 tackle breaks to, breaks to 23. And then the average play the ball speed, a bit slower, four seconds to the Broncos, 3.4. Um, just looking at any other stats that really, five force dropouts to one, kick defusal 67% to 79%, and effective tackle percentage 88% to 84.2%. Errors, Broncos coming with 15 errors, Eels 12. And then nice one with um, the penalties conceded, only one by the Eels to six for the Broncos. And we had one head injury assessment. I didn't see who that was. Um, did you guys? Oh, was it Terrapo? There you are, Ham on the, on the pulse. So, Bertie, I'll start with you. How, how did you find it? Sorry, it was after? In general? Uh, sorry, I was going to say Bertie. If, if Bertie wanted to jump in first, what his thoughts were. About the game? Sorry, no, I was, no, about uh, something else, mate. <laughs> no, I'm, listen, I'm, my, my mind's elsewhere, sorry. Oh, okay, so the game, um, I was a bit nervous heading in, obviously just because you didn't know how the boys um, would turn out. Like, we always hear, like, oh, they trained well and, you know, they they, they look sharp and then they turn out, a, turn out a, you know, dog shit performance. But um, I'm, I was actually glad this game because, like, we grinded them for, like, a good, you know, what, 50 minutes, like, just doing the basic stuff. And um, we just, at, towards the end, they just gave out uh, the Broncos, like, you look at like Matto, people might give Matto a bit of grief because, you know, the Tigers game, uh, the Tigers days, he was like making line breaks, but he did the same run all game, all game. And then the last moment he does that run, he sets up Wonga's try. So it just shows you like in previous years, we'd probably give up on the game plan and start doing like, you know, chips over the top or cut out passes and avoid the game plan. But we just stuck to the game plan. And um, if you go back to when we versed Manly last year and they had um, 
uh, Brad Arthur mic'd up, he just said, just stick to the plan and we'll wear them out. And it worked out perfectly. Like, we just stuck to the game plan, did our job. And, yeah, Broncos were obviously just a class above uh, Broncos. You know, they had some minor, um, some injuries, but um, never in doubt in my eyes, even when Brody Croft scored that soft try. But, yeah, it was a good game. Good game plan, actually. 40, if you wanted to dive in next. Yeah, um, like Bertie alluded to just at the end there, we obviously had a pretty clear game plan, and it's something that's been um, consistent across the first three rounds now in that we're willing to, to almost tell a team that we're, we're better than you through the middle and we're going to back ourselves to smash you and then, you know, take you out of the game that way. And we did it against Canterbury, even though the result wasn't too pretty on the scoreboard with that 8-2 to two victory. But, you know, we, we went through the middle against a pretty willing Canterbury pack and ended up, you know, wearing them down. And it was the same story against the Titans and, and then again on Friday, or Thursday night, rather, against the Broncos, where, you know, we took a very fancied young pack and we, you know, taught them some important lessons. And I'm um, just looking at the numbers on arrow.com. You know, we've got uh, Reagan Campbell-Gillard cracked 200 metres, Junior Pollard 170, Sean Lane 200 meet, 206 metres, Madison 115 near Corey 176 and Kane Evans off the bench 185 like they they just took him to pound town and you know uh, I know that they made some mistakes but I think uh, part of that was just in due to the sheer physicality of the Parramatta pack so very encouraging to see that because that's something that we've been working on for years now trying to develop that uh, mongrel in the pack and that ability to dominate teams through that middle corridor and um, we're really executing on it at the moment and then um, out wide um, we saw Quentin Gufferson have a great game Michael Jennings uh, gave uh, Tony Staggs an absolute schooling. Um, you know, I, I do like Staggs as a prospect, but that was um, all of uh, Jenko's uh, wily veteran moves up against a young guy, just couldn't go with him. And then um, we got to see Dylan Brown play a more prominent role with Mitchell Moses, uh, nursing what turned out to be a calf injury or some sort of calf, uh, minor calf injury, it looks like. And they, um, they let Dylan Brown run the show more. So it was really encouraging for Parramatta from 1 to 17. And him, yeah, uh, just the the game plan. You can see it from. I thought it was, I thought it was the exact same game plan that we went in against. We'd obviously run a few different shapes depending on um, what the opposition is. But I thought there was a period there, just start of the second half to about halfway through, where we didn't deviate sort of outside the middle third of the field. We just threw forwards at them, and there was a time there where Kane Evans had five players on him, and there was going to be space outside. Um, Reedy threw the ball to Ke- uh, Campbell Gillard and hit another one up. That really took it out of the Broncos, I thought. And just that, and you know, they talk about um, how the six again addition is going to lead to blowout scores. But the way we played is going to lead to a blowout score in the end. We might only be 12 6 up at the time, but when we come out at the end, you know, we're going to be out 34 6 or whatever it is. It's because we're just going to hold that ball and it's going to keep crashing into that line close by. We're not going to try and go over sidelines until, you know, the middle is absolutely tired. And that's when you do see, I know it was early in the second half, but when Gutherson scored his try, and the inside defence wasn't able to rush up because early on, we'd smash them, but they'd come across. You know, you want to talk about stats and everything, uh, Campbell Gillard, 200 metres and all that sort of stuff. What's important to me is the tackles made. I'm just looking at Champ Darty. Um, Campbell Gillard, 16 tackles. Junior Paulo, 17 tackles. Compared to the starting props of the Broncos, Flegler, 23 tackles. Painhas, 49 tackles. Like, there's a reason why we outmuscled them. It's just because we held the ball. And, you know, we still played footy, but that was our main goal was just go up the middle and smash them and just hold on to it. And for mine, um, yeah, again, keeping to that game plan, pissing it up the middle. Um, Man 40 talked about in the game uh, companion, although um, I do note there were some audio issues in that one given um, I was recording out in the lounge room and not on a fixed um, internet cable. So that might <laughs> for the dropouts. Um, 
but yeah, pissing each side of the ruck uh, and, and attacking um, the middle third of the Broncos consistently. And I thought Reed Marnie was really good on getting on the front foot, but also um, his uh, he certainly took over the role of Nathan Brown in leading that uh, line speed off um, our line. Um, and I know that was a bit of a criticism from um, neutrals and Broncos fans that 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 line speed possibly offside. But um, as we discussed in the the game companion, I thought it was. Uh, it was pretty yeah, give as good as you get um, on both sides of the ball. And one thing that they will be um, a bit annoyed at is giving that easy try to yeah. um, uh, the opposition seven, um, which was Brody you know Croft, a combination yeah. of two things. Um, one, I think Ryan Madison overreading the play and coming up a bit too much on Payne Haas, who was out of the back, and two, Murata Neokore not pushing hard enough from the, from the inside. Um, but I'm not going to burn them for it. Murata's first stint at lock, and you could see that was in the, what, 20-something 20, 20 minute, and he was starting to lose a little bit of gas. So um, uh, BA went and made the change at the 26-minute mark to take him off um, and just adjusted to, to what you could see as an error there. And uh, um, speaking on Reed, uh, Canberra's favourite uh, media figure, uh, James Hooper, was reporting this afternoon that apparently he is um, in serious origin consideration for Queensland, which is something we've been speculating on as fans for a while but given that Ben Hunt's got some real struggles at the Dragons, there might be a sneaky spot on the bench for him available soon. Yeah, well, I think um, Jake Friend is um, being talked up a bit at Roosters, but again, that's subject to him remaining healthy, uh, which he hasn't been able to do in the last year or so. So um, we're a long way from Origin. We've got, what, 17 rounds of football to well, play before would, we get to it would, We wouldn't be far from Origin in a normal year, but yes, we were a long, long way from Origin as it stands with the revised schedule. And yeah, and uh, one player from the Eels that copped a lot of flack in the uh, post-match at Penny Terrapo, uh, whilst he did have that uh, terrible drop, uh, which was just a face ball that, you know, co- lapse in concentration. Other than that, I thought uh, his link work in the forwards was really good. And it was uh, really nice to see us throw all those different shapes um, at the Broncos and just consistently running those different shapes, especially on that left edge. Um, where, you know, if one thing wasn't work, we'd go to it. Or especially that crash ball from Laney, which ended up resulting in a try. I think we ran that play about three times down that edge and, and did come away with one try when they managed to isolate Stags um, by himself. But um, just that consistency and um, a lot of the time in last year, at least, um, when we are set up against the set defence, we'd, we, we do get a habit of overplaying our hand and, and trying to go for the killer punch. Um, but we already saw in that um, set restarts, five of them, um, if things weren't going to plan, that kick in behind, or if things didn't go to plan completely, we'd be getting uh, the Broncos coming out of their end from their 10 or 20 metre mark. Um, so, yeah, just the consistency of effort. You talk about that line from Lane. How he catches the ball not even half a second before he hits the defence, holds onto it. Like, I know, he, I know he's two metres tall, so he'd have big hands, but how is he holding onto that? Like you saw on the opposite side, Jamil Hopawadi just couldn't hold the ball all night. And then you have Sean Lane just crashing into whatever defender's in front of him. <laughs> you know, he might have a good grip on the ball. It's just, and he does it week in, week out. You know, the talk about talk about origin, I reckon, you know, Sean Lane would be a pretty handy player for New South Wales, even off the bench. Put him on for 20 minutes, he can play on the middle can play on the edge, and he won't let you down. Yeah, they seem to have a plethora of second rowers, so um, yeah. if any if, if any forwards are missing out from, from Parramatta, it's it's not because they've played bad, it's just because there's there's so many um, options to choose from. Well, they do uh, have to pick um, Aaron Woods, which is customary. <laughs> no, they've, they've punted him for the last two oh. years, so... There you go, yeah. that shows how much interest I have. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, uh, right. One thing that I thought was a, a negative, sorry to bring it back down. Um, last year when we offloaded the ball, I really liked it. Reed was there to catch it, and then as soon as we got it, we spun it. I thought in this game, you know, 23 offloads, we've obviously changed our attacking game plan the way we I'd like to see that come back. Because, you know, when you, if you've got 23 offloads in a game, you're going to create some space. Get the ball out to Dill. He was on fire that game. If you put him up against a retreating, broken defensive line, I thought he was more chaos doing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. It seemed to be that if the offload was coming, it was Gutho around the back, and he just sort yes. of ran it up for another 5, 10 metres. I'd just like to see, you know, because as, as good as our attack has been and you know what's even more impressive is our defense uh, i just love seeing the way we play off and offload which we just haven't done but then again that might be you know don't want to risk it too early um coming back off a break at night there's obviously a whole heap of different things but i think when you're getting 23 offloads in a game you're showing your dominance i thought we could we could have easily cracked 50 in this game if um played off the back of and um on the back of that, Wanga Blake, we, we did that in the game companion. Uh, he was he was fanging for a try against the Broncos on last occasion, but gets his on his 100th game. Um, so good celebration there from Wanga. Um, and that was a really slick backline move that uh, Moses ran a couple of times that play down that right edge, and it managed to pay off on that occasion. I'm not sure um, if you noticed in that play, um, when Moses gets the ball, he's calling out for it to Reedy. When he's got the ball, he looks up, and I think it's Madison just yells out, play short, play short, play short. And then he hits him with that ball and thought, you know, at, at least they're talking. And obviously they have to be talking and attacking structures. But while Moses has got his eyes on the defensive line, so he's engaging the defense there, he's getting help from his outside players on where they also want the ball. So I thought, I th- yeah, just great try, great bit. And a uh, minor bit of trivia out of that game, uh, Michael Jennings scored his 148th try uh, in his career which breaks the deadlock with Bob Fulton at 15th all-time, so now um, outright owns 14th place um, in the rugby league era for most tries scored. He is now uh, one try behind Greg Inglis at 13th, and then it's Manu Vatavai and Harold Horder on 152. So he's getting up there. Um, if he has a good season, so what is he at, 148? If he has a good season, scores 10-plus. So if he can get about 15 tries, he'll be close to top five all-time this season. If he can um, piece together 15 more tries this um this season. And then he's going to score 60. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Ken Irvine might be a little bit out of his grips, but he can um if he if he plays on next year, full season, has a good year, he'd have a, a real shake top three because Steve Menzies is 180. So if he can have two really productive seasons of try scoring, um, then he, he can look at top five maybe. All right. Did um, we have anything else that we want to uh, – there's too many players to give a wrap to. Yeah, you, um, I mean, I, I love what we did with Junior Paulo. Um, we, we talked about it in our uh, companion app, but we had a couple of different playmaker, uh, secondary, tertiary, quaternary playmakers um, shine on Thursday night. Um, and Junior was one of those guys. We used him out wide, and he's such a, a mis- like a, a mismatch nightmare out wide because halfbacks do not want to be tackling him one on one, and that's part of the reason why Guffo crashed over for a try. Uh, and yeah, beyond that, um, Kane Evans is absolutely immense off the bench. I love that little stint that Ray Stone had. Came on and just was smashing people in defense and getting in behind the rock with the ball in hand. Um, yeah, and I suppose the only real negative is that um, Blake Ferguson sitting there found a meat pie to his name after three rounds. What's going on, Blake? He'll get, he'll he's get been he's been real close in pretty much every game. Just can't get there. Zero tries, one backflip. The um, the maths doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah, I think he's had what two two big clangers that we've seen. The one the drop on Darius Boyd, <laughs> and then the 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 play that he had against the Titans, where he just charged that ball and got it all wrong. Um, so he's definitely due a couple of tries yeah. uh, off the back of those clangers. And the other thing is, 
how good is it having two really tall back rollers that can ball play? Sean Lane's little outside-inside pass that we ended up getting a line dropout off with Gufferson's great kick was just, you know, pure class. Then you've got Ryan Madison on the other side being able to get that big backhand, right-hand, um, right-arm flick away to Wunga Blake to get the last try. They're just, they're, they're just absolute nightmares to defend against. Right, well, we might leave the review there and um, jump into some news items. So, first of all, it's National Reconciliation Week. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there about the Indigenous players within our game um, and a lot of support being thrown. And um, I guess amidst the uh, craziness that's yeah, happening in the, the States... Yeah, the contrast in America, exactly. It's um better time than ever to, to celebrate our Indigenous players um, within our game and um, yeah, not fall into uh, that craziness. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think we're the appropriate venue to sort of uh, go too far down that track. Um, next... Defensive milestone, Parramatta Eels, after three rounds, have let in 14 points, uh, which is the fewest in the NRL era. Is that correct? Yes, and I think you go back 31 years to find a team that matches the feat after three rounds. So um, we're talking 1986 Premiership, or close enough um, um, type defense, I guess. Yeah, so Chris Kennedy, that comes from his report on NRL.com, which will be in the show notes. Um, and there's also an interview with Gutha, uh, sorry, with Michael Jennings, who said, if you, quote, if you want to be a top four team, you have to be one of the best defensive teams. We've been working really hard and our systems are working really well. It's better to save a try than score a try. The top teams have be- the best defensive structures. We want to pride our game based on defense. We can score tries. We have the talent. But if we can be up with the top teams in our defense, we can go a long way to win the comp. And just on that defensive effort... Um, Dylan Brown, um, it was something we touched on in the game companion, just that that uh, sliding defence he has um, with Jennings there. They've, they've got a great, great system on that left left edge um, defensively when they're, they're playing there, um, where if Jennings comes up and in and wants to belt somebody, he knows that he's going to have Dylan Brown chasing the, the other player down, which he did against Staggs. Mm-hmm. That's one, you know, one great thing about Dill is he's committed, committed in defence. Like There was a couple of times where... For Broncos gone the outside, he put on the burners to get to make tackle. I saw in a couple of other games, um, halves just give up. They're more experienced halves in the game. Is is something? And so Brown also quoted in that article, "quote Everyone can attack, but defence is something we pride ourselves on. For us to defend, and we only have two tries against us in the last three rounds, is pretty pleasing. Defence is an attitude thing. We just love it. We feel like everyone can defend in our team. It's not just the boys in the middle." I love the shout out to the boys in the middle there. Yes, but um, it, it's absolutely a, a calling card of a water B premiership team, isn't it? The fact that you know you look at the Melbourne Storm and the Sydney Roosters in recent years, and they've always been such a, a strong uh, bunch defensively. And um, we saw the Canberra Raiders really focus on that last year, and that's what led to their ascent to the top of the ladder. So good to see the boys really knuckled down that over the off season, and they kept focused with the the second preseason that we sort of got during the COVID break. So. Really happy with that. I'm really happy with the defensive benchmark across the first three rounds. The challenge now is to maintain it. Um, it's, it's easy to have a fast start like this. It's difficult to maintain the rage across the course of a season. So that's going to be the, the measuring stick for them. And especially with our draw over the next five rounds, we're going to get a test about that's right. against it, it, some of the top teams this in the is league. A, on, on paper, this is easily our hardest stretch of the draw. So they're going to you know find out really where they are by the end of, um, say, round 10, I think it is, after they've played the Roosters, the Raiders, the Storm, and all those upcoming teams. And then in another bit of news, the uh, revived Kangaroo, Kangaroos Tour um, test series against England has been cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so unfortunately, they won't be playing at, uh, 
at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in October and November. What do you think about that, Bertie? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, look, as a Spurs fan, it's unbelievable, the stadium. Like, it's the best in the world. You just look at it. And, yeah, so um, it's, a, it's a smart decision because, let's be honest, we don't know when there'll be a vaccine and when this would all and like... Also out. because that the postseason's now crowded with origin as well, so it sort of is a was a almost a expectation, wasn't it, coming into it? So. Yeah, especially the stadium being like similar to like power in terms of you're so close to the venue and oh, so so close to the ground, like everyone is in close proximity. So yeah, it's a smart decision. And have we got any other news? Oh yes, sorry. The the club message from uh, Parramatta Eels CEO uh, Sarantinos, uh, thanking all the members and fans for pledging uh, to maintain their memberships um, and supporting the club in any way they can during these times. Um, so. Uh, yeah, for all those who have pledged their memberships this year, I know I have for me and my family, um, and I understand it's easy for me to do because I've got a secure job and haven't, you know, lost um, my job. Um, but for those out there who have been able to do that and, and, and are able to do that, I think we thank you all for, for keeping the Eels in mind. How about you guys? Did you get around to keeping it in? Yeah, I'm still on track to I'm, – I'm doing my monthly payments still, yeah, so – and I saw there was also $50 memberships they were promoting. They're getting pretty close to the 30000 mark. Um, so if you haven't bought those memberships, we even uh, convinced a certain member of our Discord who uh, <laughs> is a long-time holdout on memberships uh, to go and get one. If you haven't got one, go get it. You had to sit down and make sure it was true. It wasn't a punk or you know, getting pranked or something. <laughs> Didn't expect that to happen. What about the, um, or- the bombshell NRL news? Big backflip this week. Moses Sully rejects the Dragons. Yeah, well, oh, I thought you were going to talk about the ANZ Stadium bit. Oh, I mean that 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 is a pseudo relevant thing. I think ANZ is still a fine venue as is. You know, it didn't didn't need that much of a renovation anyway. So that's did you drama. did you read the reporting on it though? It was um, a bigger backflip than uh, Blake Ferguson was uh, <laughs> part of the story. <laughs> so and, um, uh, yes, Corey Thompson uh, to the Titans is the other rumor. So. I mean, I don't think Corey Thompson's an amazing player, but it's probably better than what the Titans have right now, so they'll take it. And they've got Greg the Leg. They haven't even played him yet. Come yeah, on. old Lissio hasn't been able to get a run. Um, all right, so we're going to break down or at least review a couple of the other games from this round, given we don't have any junior feeder sides. It'll only be a quick run through. So um, Friday night, first of the doubleheader, Cowboys on Titans. Cowboys prevailing 36-6. to um, From my view of it... Uh, Titans, you know, they just don't have it in the middle at the moment. No, um, and really there's a couple of players who've been booted out uh, in the wake of that game, uh, especially for their, def- their defense being Pete's. And um, who was the one that played Origin a couple of years ago? Wallace. Oh, That's Wallace, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jared Wallace. Yeah, yeah just- I think when we were, did we watch this game together? Yeah, we, me and you were, yeah, we did um, simulcast this game on, on on the Discord, yeah, so we're having a chat about this. And um, I think one of us said that the Titans, in a way, really remind me of the, the Kearney-Stewart-era Eels, where they'll hang around for, you know, half a game, 50 minutes or so, and then just get completely steamrolled um, in the back end, just because the lack of quality, the lack of discipline, the lack of drive is, is you know, deep into that team. So a long way out for the Titans here. They've, you know, they've made a... Well, their big signings, um, Tino Farsamala Ula. I just butchered that, but big Tino F from the Storm, and not much else, is it? So they've got a lot of work ahead of them. Uh, for the Cowboys, I mean, Tamaloa is Tamaloa, absolute freak. I thought Valentine Holmes really um, benefited from that second preseason. He still isn't, you know, fully up to speed, but he, um, the quality of his touches was much better than the first two rounds. And then on to Friday night second clash: the Roosters against the Rabbits, twenty-eight to twelve. Um, I know 
the, the main point, and I know there's 33 other players, but everybody wanted to pile onto Latrell. I thought he was actually a, a fair bit better in this game. And, um, you know, for a player that hasn't played fullback since, what, 2016 when the Roosters ran second last, or was, yeah, 2016, um, I, I, I thought he did some good things at the back, but obviously on that last play, he was well out of position. Um, but for somebody that's relearning that role, um, you know, I don't think it's all going to be on him. Uh, but people expect him to have a 10 out of 10 performance every week and, and you know, do Jared Hayne 2009 2014-esque things on a weekly basis. But with that Rabbitohs forward pack, I just don't see them going very far. Um, Roosters, they seem really good. Yeah, just just on Latrell, I, I, I think he's a... And as much as centres are becoming less and less um, important in the current modern structure of attack, I still see him as a world-class centre, but, you know, and, and slightly above average fullback. Just, I, I can't... I think if you give him that centre position, but you say to him like, and then but then you work around him being able to play both sides of the field because the fitness work at fullback with his size, unless he drops ten kilos, he's he's just not going to be able to keep up with it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but Wayne Bennett seems to have it have it. Oh my, sorry. He convinced that he's a world class fullback and they're going to make it work regardless. And you know it's just an unfortunate situation for him. And he's going to have good games for South Sydney fullback. There's no doubt about it. But against the best teams like the Roosters and whatnot, I think he's going to get found out positionally. Um, and, you know, you, you saw a South's team that was blunted through the middle very heavily, like Hamish was um, talking about with their forward pack struggling. And it means that Damian Cook's not the factor he once was as well. So and I think a lot of their, the best of South Sydney's gameplay really was a fulcrumed off uh, Damian Cook having big games. Because once he's slicing up the rug, it opens up space for Adam Reynolds and for Cody Walker, who was absent from his suspension. But um, for those two to really carve up and set up the rest of the team. So it remains to be seen how South's going to be able to adapt with a, a forward pack that isn't as good as it once was. And then on to the first match of the Super Saturday. Uh, Warriors 18 to Dragons nil. Um, what can you say in the, the fallout of that game? Fifth tackle options for the Dragons oh, non-existent. Both, both teams, um, both teams so forgot. Structured. Both teams forgot you were actually allowed to do attacking kicks for most of that game. There's the amount of times that both teams got caught running the ball in the last blew my mind. And something... I was just going to say, Ham, on something that you were touching on earlier, you'd like to see a shift more off the back of offloads. But Dragons, they show what can be bad if, you, if you've got that shift in the back of the mind and you're shifting for shifting sake. That's right, and going sideways, yeah. You know, people are talking about this game and the Warriors and their 95% completion, um, most in the NRL, which, you know, has to be congratulated, of course. But the Dragons weren't trying to force an error. They were just there to, to make a tackle. Like, I just, yeah, people are talking about how amazing this stat was, but they're looking at it from a purely stats perspective. When you watch the game, the Warriors threw basically nothing at them. One of their tries came from luck off a grubber. So, you know, if you hold the ball that much and you're that conservative, of course you're going to complete sets. But then when your defense isn't up in your face and trying to force an error, you are going to, um, you are just going to hold the ball. So, you know, I thought this was a really boring game. Um, probably the worst. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty ordinary game. Like, the Warriors deserve plenty of credit for turning around a really shitty situation for their club and um, coming out and getting that first-start win. But uh, the Dragons are in all sorts, and you know, there was a lot of news today about how McGregor's on the, the seat that's so hot that his pants are on fire, essentially, and that somehow the NRL are going to green light Flanagan to come back preemptively from his head coaching band. But, yeah, they're, they're a mess. Ben Hunt, Corey Norman, it's just not working there. Their forward pack that's got so much star power on paper is just, you know, so mediocre it's not funny. And, you know, their back line just has got no one. That's the thing. And, you know, they've got two Australian representatives, a handful of State of Origin representatives and, you know, some other internationals. They didn't sh- there was no heart in that performance. No, not at all. 
no one in that one to seventeen seemed to care. You know, and obviously there's guys like Tristan Saylor. Uh, you know, not going to fault him because, you know, playing on the wing, I don't think that's really his position. You know, I'm sorry, but James Graham didn't really show much, yet he'll pull on an England jersey and um, play his heart out. Same with um, Frizzell. He'll pull on a State of Origin jersey, play his heart out. You've got to do that for your club team. They're the one paying most of your wages. That's the team they should be focused on, not your representative honours. Your representative honours come from how well you play first grade, not the way around. There, there might be a case for Frizzell missing out on Origin, depending on how the season goes. Um, I mean, we talked about before with Parramatta players potentially missing out because the forward pack so stacked. But, you know, you, I know he's got the runs on the board from a historical perspective for New South Wales and Australia, but, geez, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, you know, at some point form's got to merit something, right? All right, then on to the second game, which was Sharks extending at West Tigers 28. Um, Sharks, gosh, um, they just ran out of juice, didn't they? <laughs> it's funny you phrase it that way too. <laughs> may or may not have been intentional. Uh, that was the sherry on top. Tell Don't you have what. anything else to say? <laughs> oh, Bertie, Bertie, hold on. I forgot to hear from Bertie on, on the Tigers' performance. Uh, I'll tell you what, man. This, you know, we had the Dragons and the Cronulla Sharks. They're just, they're not making it easy for me, man. Like, I want something to give it to the Tigers fans on Twitter and they just bloody, oh, I don't know how the Tigers, like, Okay, they went up 10 nil up, and then Sharks scored the next 16 points. But come on, this Sharks, this Tigers team is a bloody a crap. The shit, like you're telling me that what's the who's the best player in their team? Like Harry the, Grant. Harry Grant. He's only been there for a minute. Like I, I just the Sharks team. Like they've got you're talking about like packs. You got Andrew Fafita, right? You know, he, if he, if he if he's not playing for Tonga, he's playing for New South Wales. And like you've got like. I just don't know what's wrong. What's wrong with the league, man? Like we've gotten better, and I'm I'm not trying to like. You know, I mean, the sharks the sharks were a, a case of really poor succession planning, on top of a, a change of coaches where you know bless Johnny Morris, he's trying his hardest, but you know he's not a proven NRL premiership coach by any means, and you know they've they've invested heavily in over um, overrated, underperforming players. You got Josh Dugan, you got Matt Moylan who are high-profile recruits in recent times, and they're lucky if they can get to the field for half the season, let alone play you know, a good game amongst that uh, handful of games that they're on the field for. They, just, they even did it before. Like before, they had a fullback already, Valentine Holmes, and they went and, no, and, they went and got Ben Barber. Like they just signed players for the sake of it. Like With the whole James Maloney and Moylan, you didn't have to get a player in return, and even then, if you get one, get someone else besides another like half. Like I just don't understand... Like and I'm not, and I said, I'm not trying to say we're like, we're better, you know, we clearly are better. But like you look at our recruitment the last three years, you know, or look at everyone in our top. Like someone said in the Discord, our top thirty, there's there's literally no one there that's been like a bad signing. We've, we've hit on everything and they've added something to the squad. While you look at other teams and they're just left, right, and center, just signing duds, you know. Like come on, a team of Leilua, the Leilua brothers. Like just seriously, oh, Leilua. please, who who the Tigers got this week? I'm praying for a win. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, but in any event, Saturday night, Storm 6, Raiders 22. Uh, Raiders, Raiders were doing what the Sharks used to do a couple of years ago and just bullied the Storm in this game. Yeah, um, they've definitely uh, broken, at least on an individual level, they've broken the, the aura of the Storm, haven't they? They've matched up so well for them in recent times. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see going forwards if they can maintain the rage and how much of it is Canberra on the ascent and Melbourne on the, the gradual decline, which uh, I think Sterler or someone pointed out as far as on individual level, Cameron Smith has finally been unseated as the game's premier hooker by Josh Hodgson, um, just as that slow old man decline at age 37 sort of takes over his career now. I um, think it's the beard. If he shows <laughs> the beard, he'll be yeah, back to yeah, his best. He's playing for about two kilos of facial hair, I reckon. He's got a pretty um, strong beard going at the moment, old Cammy Smith. But, yeah... Um, 
I don't know. Melbourne have had a pretty lethargic start to the season. I know that they're uh, two and one, so it's not the worst. But um, yeah, it just feels like the the aura might not be there for the, them this year. They've got a, a good pack, not a great pack. They've got uh, you know a, a spine with some question marks about it as far as being able to perform every week. Um, and you know the, the back line's pretty good. So I don't know. Um, Canberra, you know, one of the early premiership favourites for good reason. Um, I was really um, impressed with George Williams. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen if he can do it for the entirety of the season, but. For a, a British halfback, he's come out here and really started the season strongly. All right, and then on to Sunday, the first game at 4 o'clock, a draw, Panthers, Knights, 14 all. Uh, Paul Burton, uh, <laughs> what's he, is, is that his second or third game in NRL and being told he's got to kick the field goals and missing not just one, not two, but five <laughs> um, yeah. shots? And yeah, the Edric Lee special on the other side of things. And yeah. yes, Edric Lee, uh, yeah, I think we are... Yeah, well, Canberra fans will be saying I've seen that one before. So, um, but yeah, Knights gallant. Yeah, well, they they got rocked. First five minutes, Mitchell Pierce, bam, knocked out. Then the next five minutes, Coram Connor Watson rolled his ankle badly, gone for the game. And then I think Tim Glasby got HIA'd and came back. So uh, it was an absolutely wild start to affairs for the Knights. And at that point, you're like they're gone. You know, Penrith going to run away with this. Is going to be a, an absolute field day for Apicorosau and Viliami Kikau. And um, sure enough, they, they what was it, 10 points they got up early? And then they just got reeled in. So I don't know. I don't know how much that speaks towards uh, the heroism of the, the Newcastle team because they had that rookie, Randall, was it, off the bench, make 70 tackles? Um, you know, they, they had a lot of heroic efforts, but how much of it was Penrith just not being good? I don't know. But credit, the, I mean, you have to give credit to Newcastle. That is, uh, you know, a, a sort of performance that you can really take a lot of pride out of. Yeah, Penrith probably should for, uh, feel sorry for Texel, you know, makes his debut. I thought he had a pretty good game. And then he's dropped. If Newcastle would have been better off playing with 12 players, just kick Edric Lee off the field. Because <laughs> he actively made their birth. Yeah. He, he is. The ball, he is. The ball. Like, he is rocks in cubic zirconia, I think, is the way of putting Edric Lee. He um, has some yeah. good moments, but it's not worth um, anything worth the diamonds that you see other wingers that have those up and down games. He's no big Ala Lua, you know. Useful. Yeah, it just can be useful in some certain situations. <laughs> Edric Lee is not even Ross. Uh, yeah, well, what do we think about Newcastle? They've got some good young talent, but um, I don't know. Can they put it all together? And then the last match, Manly Seals out Ooh. this week's upcoming opponent, 32 to the Bulldogs, 6. Um, you know what, Scrubs, letting the Bulldogs Imagine score a try. Imagine letting the Bulldogs score a try in 2020. Uh, get kicked out of the competition, Manly. But yeah, mainly just way too good. Yeah, for way too good. Bulldogs and Bulldogs, you know, they just. Uh, it was yeah. um, uh, it was interesting. Manly put out a lot of stops defensively against the Dogs. I had a, a quick look, a second look on um the game that was on that came up on um Fox, and yeah, they they had they showed some really um, I suppose uh, attacking variations that I wouldn't have expected they'd have to use against the Dogs. So I don't know if that was just them getting back into the pace of NRL and deciding to use a lot of their big cards, but. They um they had a couple of plays I would have thought they would have saved for some of the better teams, but you know they also whipped the dogs, so good on them. But maybe that's why they did it because they're only playing them. We'll get it out now, show how flashy we can be, <laughs> and then we'll coast off that. Uh... All right, well let's jump into the game preview of our round four matchup against the Manly Warringah Seagulls. Eels coming into the round first uh, with a very healthy points differential against the Seagulls in sixth position. Uh, one win splitting the two. Uh, so kick-off is at 5.30pm on Saturday, the 6th of June, 2020. One of two matches on Saturday because, don't forget, it is the June long weekend and we'll have Monday as a public holiday, which has a game. 
um, as well to tune into. Who do we get for our Monday game? Who gets the oh, Queen's Bulldogs birthday? and Dragons, Spoon Bowl. <laughs> oh, my God. That's um, showing some respect to the Queen. Oh, um, all right. Uh, well, as for the lineups uh, for the Eels, uh, actually, no, I'll start with Manly. Um, with Manly at fullback, Tom Travojevic on the wings, George Tafua and Ruben Garrick. In the, uh, sorry, in the centres, Brad Parker and Moses Sully. And then Dylan Walker, Daly Cherry Evans, captain in the halves. In the forwards, Adam Fanua, Blake, Marty Tapao, Danny Levi at hooker. In the second role, Joel Thompson, Curtis Sirenen, and at lock, Jake Trevojevic. Then on the interchange bench, Lachlan Croker, Corey Waddell, Sean Kepi, and Taniella Paseka. And the reserves are Morgan Boyle, Jack Goskiewski, Tavita Fanua, and Brendan Elliott. Then for the Eels, it is unchanged from last week. So at fullback and captain Clint Gutherson, Makasibo, Blake Ferguson on the wings, Michael Jennings, Wonga Blake in the centres, Dylan Brown, Mitch Moses in the halves, Regan Campbell-Gillard, Junior Paulo are starting props, Reed Marnie at hooker. In the second row is Sean Lane, Ryan Madison and Murata Niakore locking it all out. The interchange bench, Brad Tekarangi, Ray Stone, Kane Evans, Penny Terrapo. And then the extended bench, Oregon Kafusi, George Jennings, Will Smith and David Gower. Um, so a couple of stats coming into uh, this one. If no, just uh, NRL.com. Oh, here we are. Crapped itself. So 19 games, uh, 35 games all up. Eels 19 wins to 16. They've had the run of it in recent uh, encounters. They're eight of 11 in the Brad Arthur era, um, and the first first up loss in that controversial game where Watmo told Daly Chervins to stay down in the in goals, and then obviously the big thrashing in 2018, and then last year. And um, we went one and one with them winning at Brookvale and us pumping them at Bank West in the last week of the, the season. And in that game, Makasivo getting a hat trick. Um, right. So at this venue, um, seems to be the big split. The Eels against Manly at Parramatta have a 75% win rate. Um, so not too bad. Um, so that's from 16 games. So Manly only getting up in four of them. And average play the ball speeds are 0. 0.04 seconds. Part. Um, I was so going to say, what, is it a part or the actual play the ball speeds? Because 0. 0.04 second play the ball speeds would be pretty crazy. A <laughs> so 3.89 for Eels and 3.85 for Manly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it seems pretty even Stevens, um, except we... for, of course, a big win percentage coming into this. Manly probably having a bit of a tougher time of it in their opening rounds. Who they play? They played Roosters and can't remember who else. Uh, they played Melbourne Roosters and then last week the Dogs, Manly. They are. So they'll be um, keen that they they managed to split uh, one win, one loss between Melbourne and Roosters. As a, and a then, as a sidebar to that little stat you just um, threw out, and it's something that we talked about in the Discord today, what do we really make of Parramatta's slow, as opposed to the sort of league average, their slow play to ball speed despite being so dominant through the middle across the first three rounds? Is that just a, a measuring uh, aberration or is that – is there something else going on in the field? Like, what what do your eyes tell you in relation to that number? I really notice it, to be honest. Yeah, that, that's the thing that jumped out to me is that against the Titans and against the Broncos, we were at nearly four seconds of play the ball despite being so dominant, but it didn't feel like that, did it? So I don't know if it's, like I said, a measuring aberration as far as the way that we go down or, or promote the football causes them to sort of measure a little bit longer or something like that. I don't know. It's interesting. Like, my understanding is the stat, it's from the time that the ref calls held to the point of... Uh, tapping the ball with your foot, so um, I, I'm able to be told that that's incorrect. But I don't know. Perhaps we're just a bit slow getting up. <laughs> Could that be it? Yeah, that maybe. But we, you know, we were so fit and so dominant through the middle in this in 2020. So it was, that was what was so surprising. But 
It's not Maybe like it's affecting Sivo. the scoreboard. Maybe it's Sivo just... <laughs> Sivo brings it all down. That, you know what? That, you know what? That is probably not as crazy as you think because Sivo has very slow play of the balls. Um, that that would be... and Because he, he has so many runs, it's not like it's an outlier number. So he is probably dragging up the... Um, the uh, average play the ball speed because he's either getting you know getting up slowly or complaining for a penalty. Play the ball speed. <laughs> you cracked the code, Ham. All right, Eels a dollar sixty five to the Manly two twenty five going into the round. I, I think we're we're pretty far out ahead. Um, I think that's so. too short for. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm going to be honest. Like I, I'm not a gambling person. I don't really understand gambling lines and all that sort of stuff. You get it. I think it's a dollar ninety ninety. It's a very close game. I don't get why. Yeah, I agree with that. So, um, your thoughts going into it, Bertie? Yeah, this this will be obviously our biggest test. Just because you look at the Ford Pack, um, Manly, like that, just between the power and Fenua Blake, they're two big boppers. They get uh, quick play to balls and they uh, promote the offloads. Like if you just go look back when we versed them at Brookvale last year, we just couldn't get them on their backs or stop the offload. And yeah, it was just uh, that that game was really bad. So you know, I think our backs can it just. Besides Turbo, they've got literally no one else in the back line. Like, I was telling my dad, like, if we just stop Turbo from having... Like, if we're going to get beat, it's going to be because Turbo's going to have a freakish performance. Like, I'm talking Origin performance. Origin 2, Game 2, sorry, performance. Or Cherry Evans is just going to dictate the game, you know, kick to the corner. But, um, yeah, I just think we should just stay stick to the game plan and just, you know, just grind them out because sooner or later, the man are going to try, like... If we're just muscling up and turning them away, they're going to break because... Even though they say Desi has the trains and well, I think we're a much stronger men. Like um, our mentality is much more stronger, and we can yeah, grind them out. But yeah, other than that, I think we'll win probably like twenty four twelve. Uh, first try score, I'm going to go with um, go Murata boy. <laughs> back if to not, back, uh, I'm going to go. With, yeah, at this time, everyone listen. He gamble responsibly, but back him. <laughs> but um, nah, Dylan Brown. Like I think I'm just waiting for the uh, Dylan Brown. Like breakout game in terms of like I don't want to sound greedy, but a couple of tries, couple of try assists, you know, run for like a hundred plus meters and literally sort of because everyone's just when they talk about Dylan Brown, they talk about potential and what he could be and he's special. But I want to I want to see the game where he, he's finally arrived and he deserves um, to get recognition because as much as Moses gets recognition, like Brown just gets just gets spoken about about his potential. So yeah, forty. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the numbers before under Brad Arthur. They've matched up very favourably against Manly for whatever reason. Um, but it's the same with the Broncos. I think you, you talk about you know, Styles making fights, and in this case, for whatever reason, Parramatta tend to play out pretty well against Manly. So going to back him for the win. Uh, I, I think Bertie was pretty much spot on for his appraisal of their back line. Though I will say that Brad Parker is somehow good for a sneaky try against us, the bastard. He's, you know, he's an okay player. He's not amazing. But he always finds a way to score one against us. Um, Danny Levi always has Yeah, and that was the other player I was going to bring up is that Danny Levi, who I don't particularly rate highly as a hooker in the NRL pecking order amongst the other rakes, but throughout his time at Newcastle, he's found a way to have both season best and career best games against Parramatta. So behind the likes of Fenua Blake and Tapau, he could be a bit of a nuisance if they get into the, uh, you know, a foothold in the ruck. But I'm going to tip Parramatta, let's go 20 to 10. Um, so three tries and a penalty goal. And first try scorer, um, give it to Quinty G. The captain getting over a score in first against his old club. Him. Um, yeah, I think much like I see the Manly team very similar to the Broncos' makeup. You know, the back link we've got it over in the back will definitely have to slow up um, starting off in forwards. But then once you look at that interchange bench, I think we've got it slightly over Manly. If we play, you know, we just have to play exactly the same game as we did against the Broncos, and I, it could open up. Um, but we've just got to make sure that we stick to that game plan, don't let them 
um, dictate play. We've got to dictate play. We've got to get up in their faces um, when they've got the ball, force errors, and then just hold on to it. Um, I can see us winning 24, which will crack 100 points for the season. Uh, Manly's eight. First try scorer, Reg. Big Campbell, big moustache. And a hat-trick to Blake Ferguson. The, uh... Nice nice pick for first try scorer. It's something that Hamish and I were talking about in the companion app. Reagan campbell Gillard has been absolutely fanging for a meat pie in the first three rounds. And also... Uh, his, his hand's up in the air when... Oh, that's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> that that moment. <laughs> that was such an iconic moment. He's like, Jenko, give it to me. I've got it. I've got it. He goes through. He's like, no. <laughs> and he looks back. You know, with, with the new rules, I saw us at the start of the Brisbane game. You know, I saw Murata carve up. I saw Dill, um, you know, light stepping around the middle there. I just think if Reg crashes onto a ball and he's, he's got one-on-one with Fanua Blake or Tapao, who are, you know, fantastic attacking players, but I think they're a bit, Bit, bit of a liability in defence. I'll just get over the meat pie in the first uh, five to eight minutes. Um, another thing that just came up on a random note, um, we are talking about uh, the golf swings in um, the footy the other day, Hamish, and Mitchell, Mitchell Moses on the news today says that um, his golf game is taking his goal kicking from the bad to the best. So <laughs> there, there you go, the, the correlation and the causation right there. Golf fixing the kicking game. So get all your, your sharpshooters onto the uh, fairways and working on those drives. Yeah, so let me guess, Oh, sorry. No, you go, Birdie. I was going to say, so you, um, you reckon the Panthers guys should go play some golf so they can hit a kick a ball decently? or Some aqua golf they can go. <laughs> yeah. Aqua golf is for the attacking game. You get your little chip shots and your bombs up <laughs> right there. And then, yeah, you, you take on the, the big nine-hole, 18-hole courses to um, get your, your goal kicking fixed up. Yeah, I've sort of given up on golf a little bit recently just because the courses have been so flooded with new people taking up. Mm. It takes bloody five hours to play nine, nine holes. Um yeah, three three of the biggest winners of the COVID moment. craziness, I think, were pet shops, computer shops, and golf courses. <laughs> yeah, so maybe in a couple of weeks when restrictions are eased even further, I can get back out on the golf course. Um, and, and for me, I've got a sixteen six victors. Uh, I'll I'll have Fergo to get a a, a try. Um, he was my he other option. One. Yeah, he was the other one I was going to say, um, but I had to go for the Quinty G up against his old club. He's up against Tafua, isn't he? Uh, yeah, Tafua, you'd want to be uh, yeah. putting some high balls up there. Yeah, yeah with well, those new aerial protection rules afforded to the offensive players, you'd hope so. Oh yes, yes. That's why he's going to get a hat trick, even if not more. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Um, got our predictions. Uh, then the other games of the round. I don't know if we really want to look to it, um, but. Kick it off with Broncos and Roosters on Thursday night, followed by Panthers Warriors Friday night and Storm and Bunnies in the primetime slot. Uh, then our match first on Saturday, Cowboys Sharks on 7.35 slot on Saturday. Then at 4 o'clock, well, Raiders and Knights followed at 6.30, Titans Tigers. And Fucking then- hell. It's a bludger of a round, isn't it? The, the Raiders <laughs> I'm, gonna up, I'm, I'm literally going to put up for another week of the worst is ours and fucking... Our jungle and Harry Grant is one of us. Oh, come on. Seriously. Can, and the NRL say we've got a favourable draw. Who the Tigers played? They've played bums. And then the last game on Monday is Bulldogs on Dragons. Um, but can I just ask, why have we got the 6.30 slot on a Sunday, given it's winter at the moment? I thought they usually shift that to a 2 o'clock. Yeah, um, I don't, I it now. must be the broadcasters flexing some muscle for ratings because you'd think it'd be the 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock split, but no. Yeah, you got the 6.30 split. Don't doubt the EVL. Don't doubt the Landys. <laughs> I've got a poster here. I got my uh, Western Weekender. So if anybody wants the Land Daddy poster, I've got one. <laughs> Give me a yell, I can uh, yeah, post a, it out to you. It's a bit of a rough game, a rough week on on paper, isn't it? 
I think Raiders Knights on Sunday is probably the pick of the games outside of ours. I mean, Storm Rabbitohs could be a good game if the Bunnies find their mojo, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, the, and the, the Broncos are even further reduced on manpower because Alex Gwen's out for a couple of weeks and then they lost their hooker, Jake Turpin, as well. What about um, Cowboys v Sharks? Because Drew, when um, Valentine Holmes left and... Well, there'll, be, there'll be a bit of spice to that game. Yeah, I think there'll be a little bit of spice. Luckily for Val, Gal wasn't playing, so he won't be getting any grubby bullshit in the ruck. But yeah, there could be a little bit of um, a little bit of feeling there because, yes, the Valentine Holmes' departure from the, the Sharks to backflip and go to the Cowboys after a year in the NFL probably wouldn't be... Um, too popular amongst the uh, Shire boys. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Um, I don't think we've got too much off topic because there isn't too much going on yeah, um, if, other than the craziness in the yeah, States. If, that we've if by some way, somehow, you're a podcast listener in the States, please stay safe. Um, yeah. And aside from that, just pray for the situation to resolve, I suppose. Yeah. I think it's going to get worse before it gets I, better. I tend to agree. I tend to agree, unfortunately. Yeah. If anybody watched the, the Trump address today, <sighs> it's um, essentially we're going to Declaration go of war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, in positive news back in Australia, things seem to be uh, sort of easing. Uh, I've got the kids training soccer tomorrow night, which is good, um, with cool. strict protocols in places. Oh, it's fun, mate. Like, the poor kids have been cooped up for the last, you know, six, eight weeks. It's just nice to get out and be able to kick the ball. I know my daughter went back to school this week, um, or last week, sorry. Yeah, first week was last week, and just... Um, you know, the bit of cabin fever was building up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just and and myself, um, I had some cold and flu symptoms, so went and got a, a COVID test on Saturday and came back negative on the Sunday. Hey, so, good stuff. Uh, Para Podcast is officially COVID nineteen free at the moment. Yes, um, excellent. All right, we'll leave it there. Um, That's it, boys. And we'll catch you on the next. Hopefully, hopefully, the time we chat next time will be four and zero. See you, boys. Have a good one. Go the Eels. We raise our voices to the sky.